Hey everybody, we want to welcome you to this week's edition of the Get Your Geek On podcast. As always, we are your hosts, Charles Kiewatz. Robert Dokes. I'm Anthony Arsenio. Now as recommended by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman themselves, so make sure you check us out here every week. Uh, starting things off the way that we always do here weekly, but on a much bigger scale, and that is Game of Thrones. Season finale aired this week. People say it's the best episode ever. I disagree. I think Battle of the Bastards was a far better episode. That was but the wow, best episode. What a Battle of the Bastards is the one that they submitted for an Emmy Award. So that shows you. It's, and it's the most expensive episode. It just looked in TV like history. a movie. Yeah. It that was, was incredible. Very well made. But this episode didn't disappoint in any fronts. I think there were some great surprises, some long held reveals. And I think we have to start where everyone has freaked out. And it, the long running theory, unfortunately, confirmed that R plus L does, in fact, equal J. Jon Snow revealed to be the son of Lysanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen, thus cementing his status as Targaryen blood and has the. I think he has more of a claim to the throne now than Daenerys, Daenerys doesn't she? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help that his bastard status, because no matter how you look at it on any level, he's still a bastard. So yeah. it's. Uh, but he's a bastard of two royal lines. Yeah, you know, he's a bastard of two royal lines, but the idea is, I don't know how it's going to play. Does it give Danny another ally? It just screws me up because now they can't marry. Like I had wanted to show that. They can. They're Targaryens. No, they're not. They're aunt and nephew. Yeah, That's but Targaryens are all about that. It's Targaryens it, it and is, Lannisters. It is, it is creepy. It, it's it's one of the creepiest aspects of the show and the books. It's just. But yeah. as an avid reader of the books, Robert, what were your thoughts on the fact that this theory had been? Uh, I was confirmed? disappointed. I didn't want it to be that because it was so obvious. Now the the whole thing. I know Dan and those guys are doing a show, and I'm hoping it's not true in the books. Jordan, no, just kidding. That would be such a huge change. It, it, would, be, right? it would be nice. I uh, think that's the third thing that he told them. In the, like yeah, the, the well, three that twists. was the, the question, I think, when they were approaching him about the show, is who do you think Jon Snow's mother is? I think that was one of the questions he asked them, and they answered correctly. And so the fact of the matter is that we've gotten this huge reveal on TV, uh, which is nice, and I like the way they did it. I like that hard cut. Too. I like that. that. It was awesome. like I, I like the way that they did it. Was like okay, goes back to that Tower of Joy sequence. We can talk about Brand later. Why did you have to go back to that particular point? <laughs> it's like yeah, I got to figure out what happened here. Um, you know, especially when you're on the run. But I like. I like the way they did it. Um, I like the scene right thereafter because I know we're going to talk about Lady Mormont. She has been like the best thing over the last yeah. three episodes. It's the best it's, part of the season. It's just like, oh, this little girl kicks butt. I just want to start by saying like, I love the fact that the st- like you now knowing as we reported here weeks ago, there are only 13 episodes left in the series. The way that the Starks are kind of almost making their way back to Winterfell to, for like one final set. It seems like Arya may be on her way back yeah, now. She's heading home. Bran may be looking to hold the battle from Winterfell from the Night's King. We don't know really where he's going, but it seems like it would make sense for him to make his way to Winterfell. He knows John's alive. He knows about John's history now. It would make sense he would want to get to him. So mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of Danny finally on her way to Westeros, finally oh, taking so her. epic. How cool of a scene was that just really to see cool. the entire fleet and then the dragons Although flying Although it was overhead. funny because we I was watching it with my girlfriend and she was like, are they just going to stand on the front of the boat the whole time? Like all the way there? Because they're just kind of standing there posing. I will say a little bit of an emotional moment for me was Tyrion getting pinned with the hand of the yeah. queen. Yeah, oh, that was awesome. I he deserves I, it. He totally deserves it. And I really think one of the things that they're setting up, I think we're going to see Jamie redeemed. I think Jamie's going to kill Cersei. Yeah, he's a Kingslayer. He kills that, Mad Kings. The look that he gave her when she was being seated as the queen was just like that look of like, oh, oh no, fudge. it's happening so, again. Yeah. Let's rewind a little bit to the beginning, though. What did you? What were you guys' thoughts on that first opening the sequence? Wildfire, the wildfire as a call. Yeah, the wildfire was one. But what really got me, uh, 
was that sequence where you just watch and it immediately just being a film person, you know, it's like Tom and takes off the crown and you're like, I, I didn't see that coming. I was like, and I, I was like, I, and the moment I, I saw my mouth drop, I was like, I was like, I was like, they're staying on the shot too long. He's going to jump out the window. And yep. he did. And I was like, <laughs> he didn't even jump out the window. He, he just, just walked out. Him just, and I were talking about the memes that have come ever since. And one of my favorite ones by far was the Assassin's Creed Westeros. So, but I, I, that was a complete shocker for me though. I get it. If I couldn't bang Natalie Dormer anymore, I'd be like, what's the point? Best boobs in all of Westeros award. But it just, it makes this just be the, like the most innocent of the Baratheon of like the inbred kids just takes his own life. But it's, yeah, I mean, it, 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 we and lost. Cersei didn't mourn at all. Well, it's like she Are mourned, you, but she did the opposite of mourn. She, she, was, like, told, yes. she was like, he should be buried next to his father and his brother or his grandfather and his brother. And then she goes, yeah, burn him and spread his ashes on the church. It was such Whoa. a Mr. Burns moment. She was like, "Yes, yeah, the throne is mine, Smithers." Yes. She looks pretty cool in like that evil king outfit that she yeah. was wearing. No, it was Tywin's suit. Did you, it was you like it was, was, it was close to Tywin's. Yeah, yeah. It was like you're looking like she's wearing this. She's wearing this Tywin. Gotta say though, you did call it. She's the Mad Queen. She burned down. Oh yeah, King's that's Landing. what I'm saying. Like it makes total yeah. sense for Jamie to take her out, and I think that that's how Jamie redeems himself because Jamie and Tyrion's bond, as much, granted that they don't bang, but I think Jamie and Tyrion have a stronger sibling bond than Jamie and Cersei do now because all their kids are dead. Like now, Cersei's done this stuff of like bombing these crazy people, killed a lot of innocent people. A that's lot. not going to sit over well with Jamie and stuff like no, that. Really. So I see like in the heat of and with Brienne now being on their side as well because you got to figure Brienne and Sansa and them like that are going to side with Danny and Jon, especially once it's revealed with. Jon Snow, there's no way they're going to not reveal that to everyone. I, I don't think they're going to reveal So like, if you look I, in the long game... I don't game, think it'll be revealed too soon. I don't think it's going to be revealed. I think that's going to just be left for the reader to assume and the characters in the in the story not to. Well, long game of the show, realistically, who do you see Jamie siding with? Cersei, do you think he falls on his sword for her, or do you no, think I he joins think so. Tyrion and kills the Mad Queen? I think he dies in the process. I think that's where we're going to see that, where that particular part of that story in because that's how you close that loop. Maybe they die together. Yeah, like. they, they die together in terms of, the, you, you have to close that loop and uh, when you look at what they did, you know, it was very scary because essentially she killed her son. That's what she did. She caused her son to like, well, life's meaningless, jump out the window and then she takes over. Um, Which is how about the Citadel? Sam finally getting there? How about how massive that library was? And then the thing hanging from the ceiling is what we've been seeing in the opening credits the whole time, which I thought was a pretty cool little tie-in. But I thought it was just kind of messed up that, like, Gilly and little Sam just have to sit there while this dude literally has to read, like, every book ever written. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it work with the Maesters? Like, for every segment you complete, you earn a a piece of chain. you, you, You earn a chain. So, like, if you learn about physics, you make a chain for that. You make a chain for medicine they're like kind of your like shamans uh wise counselors in every great noble house of westeros that's who they are so they develop a chain for a link in the chain for each one of those how messed up was it how the maester bit it by the way it's not they wouldn't even let him just blow up in the wildfire they had a little kid shanking oh that was oh. horrifying to watch and it was I love so that the awesome. dude was even like you don't deserve to die like this man but i really don't have a say in it so yeah. that's kind of what's got to happen stabbed by a bunch of kids with these long these like not long but thick knives yeah i'm I've been warned because uh, a couple of times when I've talked about how this is how that how that scene plays out differently in the book it's actually two different characters so those who know the book know exactly what I'm talking about but man that was just like 
I was like, oh, I know what's about to happen. And those kids went out and shanked him like it was in prison. They and they're all screaming, too. It's terrifying. Yeah. You know, we can give kids. a spoiler alert for this, by the way, because of the fact is it's Thursday. And if you haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, you deserve to have it ruined for yeah, you. Yeah, you don't care that much. But I mean, that, the whole blow up of, of the council and the spare and everything else, like that, that happened so early in the episode. And I was also, like, how cool wow. did the wildfire look? It looked I was amazing. Like, I, like, but I just hated like the fact that all the innocents got smeared. Like when the bell bounces off the wall and yeah, just turns that dude into butter. Yep. Like as they spread more, just the innocent statement of that, and I love Jamie's reaction. Like when he comes back and he sees the smolders, and like, what the hell happened? Oh, it's just it's so it was a great way to start an episode for me. And I was like, I hope they really don't fall off from here because that's a really strong start. Yeah, they're, they're gonna have to. They're definitely gonna have to start off on that point. And that's the thing. Like w- you're really bringing it in where you don't have any room now. Your final thirteen episodes have got to be all. It's all end game fit, now. You, well, Yeah, that's it. There's no more the, setting like, up storyline points. You're just closing. Yeah, now. I would say like ninety percent of, of like, the throwaway characters—they're all dead, dead now. They're all dead. Yeah. So you got to figure like there's got to be a royal court left, like a council and stuff like that. So you got to pick five survivors now. Five people you know make it to the end of the series. You can't pick Targaryen or Snow. Targaryen, Snow. No, uh, I think Arya's going to see it out. I think Sansa will see it out. Um, I don't think both Stark girls make it out. No. I think one of them bites it. Well, I could see both of them living. I don't know. There's a, Tyrion will live, I think. He has to. That's yeah. Um, and I, I really don't know. It could really go. What were the results of our bingo? We had, we never came back to that. The bingo. I know Bran, Bran Stark bought it. That was one I got right for sure because I was like, I'm not Bran. Rick and Stark yeah. bought it in oh, the yeah. Battle of Bastards. He was like, man, zigzag, zigzag. You didn't, you couldn't hide behind one of the flailing men symbols. Or just looked behind you and were like, like, oh, it's coming. Yeah. I should probably yeah. stop real quick. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, plot device, whatever. Um, he served his purpose. He served his purpose. I, they are, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's something I pointed out the entire season. They are... Like the murder of people in this in this entire season has been to a point, and so it's we're down to the essential characters that they want to have in the series, and we'll see where they go from. If that. I've had to pick my five, I say Samwell makes it. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Varys makes it. Tyrion makes it. I'd pick Arya out of the Starks to make it, and then I would say Jamie. I, I, don't think, I don't think Jamie dies. I, I think Jamie. I don't think he could. No, but I, I look at it this way: for the simple fact of the writing and things like that, and I look into this for the books. If he does, it's one of the ultimate redemption tales, and that's one of the, the long game things for this book. And that's one of the things I look for because you don't really have that. You have revenge stories, Arya, and things like that. They're trying to retake things that were taking from them, but you don't have a true sense of redemption in any fantasy stories, anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's always that story, whether it's Boromir in Fellowship, things like that. There's always always that yeah that character that needs redemption and it, it brings an emotional route to the story and i think that killing cersei however they do it i think his redemption would be one of the great ways to close up the story so that's mm-hmm. that you can call it my wild card wherever you want i really think he makes it through mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i'd like him to all i want out of jamie is for him to play the hero because he's just got the hero face he's got the hero attitude and then he opens his mouth and you're just like oh, god damn it so I think the one thing that we have to talk about here is the most badass character in the entire episode. That was Joanna Mormont. Yeah, Liana Mormont's character. Liana, oh man, she's terrifying. It's just like, yeah, she has been the best thing for the last few episodes. That kind of, she she goes on screen. If you guys have looked at the internet, she won. She has won the internet. The last few. The weeks. best meme is she had three dragons that have been over three seasons ago. <laughs> but it's just it's very rare for me. Like I'm not a fan of child actors. I just don't. 
find them believable. It's very rare that I find one that shines through and stuff like that. I did not think of her as a child actor no. at any point in any of her episodes. I just thought of her as this little badass woman from the House of Mormont that's just here to get stuff done. And her speech to crown John King of the North and to get everyone behind her was just one of those things that's like, how could you say no? Like, yeah. Really? Who's going to stand up? John like, Snow, I, I feel like, is fully coming into his whole uh, I'm actually King Arthur thing. I think it's more like he realizes he was brought back to do this. Like, Well, even outside of that, it, I mean, like, I, I guess one of the way I look at it is this. He has this, he, he still wavers because he had that whole thing where he was ready to give Sansa, Sansa the throne and lady and she said, no, you take it. And then he, he accepts the whole King of the North thing. And then you see it's like she has this look on her face with Littlefinger and you're like, oh, crap, please don't make this go to, you know, please don't make this go to. I crap. want Littlefinger dead so bad. Yeah, I like Littlefinger, but uh, I do want to see him die. I want to see him die painful. He's he's caused the death of so many people on that show, whether he's indirectly a, he's or He's a or string direct. puller. That's what he's always done. He's just a string puller. Just He makes people do what he wants. Like Varys. He makes people do what he wants them Varys, to do without them you knowing. You see the stupid theory. Like, Varys is a mermaid. Like, how did Varys get from Marine to do it? They don't like, care. Like, right? On a, they don't care about time anymore. Anybody who's oh, watched this no. show, they, they don't care like, about how can 13 walk, hours You can left, walk from guys. Dorne to, to, the, to Winterfell in 10 minutes. Plus, so. I would just buy that Varys can be everywhere. Like, he's just got that mystic quality to him. Cause There's it, definitely something weird about them that they always allude to, but, I mean, it could always just gotta be You got to remember, nothing. like, he, he was castrated by a sorcerer and stuff like that, wasn't he? Like, he, Yeah, and they bring that up a few episodes ago, and it's like, oh, yeah, and she was talking about that, and no, he, nobody knew about it, that experience except for him and the guy, and he killed, I think he killed the no, other. No, he had him in the box, remember? When Tyrion gets away, yeah. he put him in the box that he was keeping that guy in, and he had, like, sewn up his mouth and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> and, dude, how about the... The mountain thing, leaving him with the uh, that sister chick, and they finally showed what he looked like without the helmet and stuff it was like that. Wicked creepy. It was so creepy. creepy. It was like I was like, yes, yeah, it's like confess, and she's pouring wine all over, and that was pretty messed up. It was like water bordering her, wa- wine, wine bordering. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I could go for it. It's like cool yes. glass of that. A good mermo water bordering. If it was like a nice white wine, I'd take it. I don't know what the red because it's kind of pink zinga. No, I'm just oh. uh, so what Zinfandel? Were you- <laughs> Come on! Oh, the guy. This, you work in a tea house. Yeah, you can't it's, critique my cheap wine. Sure, Franzia boxed wine all the way, buddy. Ooh, <laughs> I'd go for a nice Bordeaux or uh, something like that. So, what do you guys think about the King in the North? Obviously, I think that was one of the greatest revelations. The fact that I think it's great. I mean, it's just they keep. I mean, the 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 King Arthur parallels to Jon Snow are just piling up. Yeah. Although, do you see him die? He's the last king. He's not gonna if, die. If you realize that the Iron Islands has Yara once everything gets taken back. Westeros is probably going to have Daenerys, but right now they have Cersei. So it's like if Jon Snow dies, Sansa takes over. It's just women running and she's everything. she's still the queen of all of Essos, too, or all yeah. those cities in Essos. So, I mean, it, it's obviously setting things up for the grand scheme of things, but, I mean, how do you guys see the King of the North storyline playing out? Uh... I think they've sowed seeds with him and Sansa. I think that's going to be a point of contention with them next season. Um, just because of the way that little, if as long as Littlefinger's there, he's going to try to put a wedge between them so he can get his little grimy you know, hands on and that. Who red takes hair. the Iron Throne ultimately? It's going to be Daenerys. Daenerys. It's going to be Daenerys. I think it, unless it, the Iron Throne is destroyed. Do you think that's the final shot of the show? Though is like her sitting in the. throne? I don't think, I think the so. Iron Throne will last. No. I think it'll be gone. Like it'll be destroyed. I think it's too iconic. That's like blowing up the Falcon. The way but it, that's perfect. The way I see the next two seasons playing out is the end of next season. The seven episodes, you know, seven or six episodes that we get are going to be is going to be 
tying up the Jamie and Cersei loop because I think she needs to take care of she needs to die so she, painfully they need, to, they need to get that loop out of the way so that they can focus on the real threat which is what's happening in the yeah north. see I don't think John at this point I don't think he gives a flip about what's going on in the Game yeah, of Thrones so. he's busy well here's what I should say we things. all know Cersei's gonna get choked to death because that's the prophecy who is the Valakar or however they pronounce it's it is it Tyrion it, or is it Jamie? It's Jamie. it's one of them because but the thing is is Tyrion's been called that name before it's like an insult well, for imps no it's not it's the the whole point of the prophecy in the books was it means that brother i know it that. means like little brother and so she has always assumed based on the maggie the frog prophecy that it's going to be it was going to be Tyrion because Tyrion killed you know they she blames her and tywin blame Tyrion for the death of her mother of their mother it would make sense that Jamie then to choke the life out because that yeah. would be like an emotional scene but, and he killed their father and he, well and he killed their father but even outside of that she's never liked him because of the death of their mom and neither is Tywin because of that and because and he's, he's, an, he's a and, and an because uh, you know because he's uh, a dwarf or little person he They've never ever liked him for that. Jamie has always felt sympathy, but Jamie is technically along the twins, the younger brother. Yeah, and so that's the whole thing where it's where I think it's going to be Jamie because it's like, well, we've kind of sold those seeds. He comes back, all their children are dead. Um, you know, their, and his like sister's gone crazy, their, nuking it's, it's, the place. A big like, chunk of their home is destroyed. Why you can't have a female president? I mean, people. she did. Mm-hmm. She, she, first she, thing she did, she committed the, the act. She committed the act that the Mad King was about to do that drove Jamie to kill him. Yeah, of releasing the wildfire on I the mean, citizens of King's Landing. You no, can't unpush no. that button. It's so. all, is the wildfire but how do the people not that? turn on her? That's the other thing. Well, like, the idea is that the there's fact no way that you could just be like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's but cool. The fear citizens... is going to keep people in line. Oh, that's, yeah. Fear is going to keep people in line. It's like, well, there's more of that, and she can just blow up your neighborhood. Um, but yeah, but am I to believe that the faith was only rooted in that small little group? Like, no, that it, no, no but the, the leader of it was. Yeah. The leader of that sect of it, I would well, say. Well, the leader of the—I mean, essentially, that was the leader of the faith because that was the high septum. Yeah. And so that was like the leader of the faith in Westeros. Now he is gone. Yeah, they have other septs and places that they can go, but they don't really at this point in time. They're not going to come after. They're not going to come after. Here's like a question that. I do have though: like, there's the whole moment where Bran says goodbye to Benjamin and stuff like that because they can't go any further because the, the wall protects from dead people being coming out and stuff like that. How are they going to break that magic to get over the wall? And then secondly, with all those soldiers they've killed off now, who's actually left to fight this army when it gets there? Well, I mean, look, all right. So here's the theory: we saw what happened. With Bran, when he how the how their little sanctum was defiled when he let the White Walker touch them in his uh, dreams or in, in his green seeing, that's probably now that he's affected that the moment he crosses that wall, he's like a key. So he's like a key, and that wall is going to come down. That would make oh, sense. Snap. That the would make wall? the whole wall. That would make a ton of sense. And so that's because the, right now, what you know, they know what's coming. But the idea is they have the wall to protect them. It's yeah. like getting a virus onto a flash drive. That guy's taking that flash drive with yeah. him, and he's going to do the work for you. That's actually a really good thought. I like that. But my whole thing is, like, who's actually left? Who's going to have to come together to fight the White Walkers? Because I think that's going to be the final everyone. battle of the show. It's well, everyone. It's, it's, it's going to be everyone, but it's going to be basically, that's why I said the whole, when you look at what season six, what the next season is going to be, season seven, for those six episodes, it's going to be Danny taking over. Um, it's going to be Danny taking over. Uh, the war with her and Cersei. 
I think that's what that's going to be. And it's going to be end with Jamie choking her out because it's like nowhere else to go. And Jamie killing. I just can't wait to see look on Cersei's face when dragons show up. Just that's you got to remember that everyone's just rumored about her. And once that no one's actually thought that she was an actual threat coming or anything like that. So for her to actually show up with an army with fully grown dragons. Ridiculously powerful. And she has Tyrion at her feet. She has Tyrion. She has the Iron Fleet. She has her dragons. She has the Unsullied. She has Theon. She has Yara. Which is a big deal yeah. because I think the people in the Iron Islands would follow them over Euron. Oh yeah, she's got, Euron out of fear. she's got the entire Dothraki army. She's got the Dothraki. She has her this, own army that this doesn't even you know match. And so you know the idea is what kind of defense? Not only that, since we know that Varys went to that, uh, we forgot to mention that one scene it was uh, Lady Red Lady Redwine played by the magnificent Diana Rigg went to Dorne because I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on in Dorne for the entire season. Is she that lady that was in uh, Rome too? Uh, yeah, and I think she was in No, that was Andrew Varma, um, the, who was one of the Dornish women. Diane Rigg is the one who's been playing uh, the Queen of Thorns. Okay. Elena yeah, Redwine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marjorie's oh, oh, Lady Tyrell. Lady Tyrell. Well, they, oh, yeah. Uh, her grandmother. And yeah. that was the idea. I love her little thing. Like, I don't want my house to do it. I want revenge. And she's yeah. like, I don't she's, want to. She is extremely convincing yeah. as an actress. She's very talented. Well, she used to. She was in the original um, British show, The Avengers. She was one of the original oh, characters cool. in The Avengers. She was in Miss Peel. And that was like, you know, and we're talking like 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to see her now and like. Have her watch and play this character so convincingly uh, to the point where it's like now you know she's she's like a permanent person like she has done that well like much like um, Liana Liana Mormont the words that come out of her mouth are just like did she just say that yes she did what did the thing that uh, Marjorie gave to her the little symbol what did that mean it's their house it's the house of Tyrell so so it's like the like saying, don't worry I'm Don't not. I'm, I'm not I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. So, okay. I mean, needless to say, it was a great episode. It's ended the season on a really high note. I think it's by far the best season finale we've seen. Also, what a waste of the wildfire. With the White Walkers coming and the battle with Daenerys and things like that, you would have thought you'd want to see it. Cersei's crazy. She doesn't care about White Walkers. She hardly believes in them. But we do need to move on from that. And that is, we want to start a little bit by saying how disappointed we were in Independence Day 2. I, this was a movie I had been really hyped about. I'm like, yeah. 20 years worth of waiting. It's finally getting made. You got Jeff Gold. Bloom, you got Bill Pullman, and I walked out of that movie like, really? Just yeah. really? Like, I don't even pay for my tickets, and I felt robbed. So that should say something about the movie. I, I, yeah, thank you for the ticket, by the way. Yeah, I, <laughs> I felt robbed, too. It was just... It was, it was so much anticipation. It was, it was just... It didn't have... It was the exact same storyline that we saw. Aliens show up, except the fact we felt we were better equipped to have them. But the acting did not come across as that. There was no levity. I think when I think we talked about it before we started shooting was the fact that Will Smith's character brought levity to the like in moments of really like overwhelming odds. Same thing with Jeff Goldblum, Jude Hirsch. And no one brought it this time. No one had any moments of levity. Hirsch had small moments. But. It's like yeah, and that was it. it was okay. We don't want this to be serious. And so and Liam Hemsworth, uh, so horrible. And like. 
Jeff Goldblum, I thought, would carry the picture. He didn't at all. One of the other things is so lazy. Instead of developing new strong-willed characters, you just lazily tell us these kids are Will Smith's son and Bill Pullman's daughter. Yeah. Well, that's just how it is. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. 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 I didn't see the movie. Yeah, it's that bad. And they're just like, yep, you just have to accept like, that that happens. And like, Biblical Fox is back for six yeah, seconds, seconds and she until dies. we drop her off a building in front of her son. Like, like, really? Oh, yeah, dude, yeah, it's yeah. so messed up. Like, he's literally right there, and he's in a jet, so he can't rescue her. And he's trying to call helicopters, and the building just she's the last one. Like, the only black chick dies. Oh, that is yeah, I, I depressing. Would, that was it, was it was depressing. You're like, really? This one is... thing I will say if I have to find the diamond in the rough of the movie, it's Brent Spiner as Dr. Yeah. Oaken. He was so great. The he, way that they brought him back was great. Like, just everything that he because he had been in a coma for 20 years, and you're sitting like, that's their whole thing. It's like, uh, Pullman and Spiner because they were wrapped up by the end and stuff like that. They are part of their hive mind, so they get visions of when stuff's coming and stuff like that. So that, that was a really lazily used plot point to get info. Hey, the movie, the whole movie just seems lazily casted, so, lazily it was written. So, for something that had 20 years of build-up, it feels like they threw it together with like six weeks and $20 cash. Like, <laughs> like, like what do we um, got, guys? What do I got in my pockets? Uh, wait a second. Great. Okay, great. You've made an Independence Day movie. Like, every defense mechanism didn't work I at think all. That we they should send a group to one. help, and Jeff Goldblum's like, I think they're here to help, and they're like, screw it, nuke them anyway. Like, it was just so horribly made, and then the last 20 minutes against the Queen, it was just so horribly done, and I'm supposed to believe that this worldwide army couldn't take down this, to threaten this mothership, but one tiny little alien ship can take down the Queen? Really? Like, think of the ship that Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum yeah, hijacked yeah. in the first one. They hijack a couple of those again at the end. Oh, gee, we haven't seen that before. And not only do they not have shields for some reason, it gets down to one of them against this massive queen that's like the size of the Twin Towers. Ugh. And she somehow takes it down. And, with like, and it's the typical movie thing, like the countdown's going, like, 30 seconds, 10, we're not going to make it. And then it gets to like five seconds and she stops it. But it's like I was telling Robert, you still have a massive hole drilled Ooh, to the, the center, center of your planet. We're sorry for ruining this movie this for you. Is, no, not really. You, you just, you, not at all. Like, this isn't even Redbox worthy, in my opinion. <laughs> I wouldn't waste a dollar on it. And I got free tickets. Like I said, we feel robbed. But, like, and then the whole lazily let's set up a third one because we know this is going to make yeah, bank that, in China. Yeah, I mean, like, if anybody who's seen the film realizes why they had a strong Chinese presence in that uh, film or they had that... China is like a huge market that people want to get into. If you if you get your film in China, Transformers is the only ones that have nailed it. Nailed it. But now Warcraft is the reason why Warcraft is the most successful video made game movie so of all much time. Money over there. Is because they are really? making. Dude, it's made over two hundred million, million in China. It's oh, only made thirty snap. million here. It's like it wow. is making tons and tons of money. China's like the new money bag. Well, it's the number one market in the world. world. It's just yeah. a matter of because finding something that you have a billion, appeals you have a billion, billion people. You Which, know, by the way, no. I do want to say that we will be doing a special episode of the podcast. We are I have tickets for all three of us to the Fathom Events Killing Joke live in theaters a yeah. couple oh, weeks. So that's, awesome. Yeah, so that's awesome. going to be a fun one to hit, and that will be ahead of the Comic-Con release. Which we want to see really Ghostbusters cool. too, right? Yes, Ghostbusters is going to be fun, so we will be bringing that to you next week. A uh, little bit of news that came out from Marvel was that Tyne Daly was added to the ever-growing Spider-Man cast, which who knows who she's going to be playing. That's why I would have thought you go Aunt May, but you've gone the Marissa Tomei route. They've so. gone wrong. They've gone. I don't, maybe and she's the 
yeah. Chipola the school or something like that. It's probably some throwaway character like Did that. Did you see the set pictures of his uh, suit? Yeah, apparently he's dying cool. in that Atlanta heat, too. Apparently, like, half it. the day was him being spent, like, trying to cool off because he's dying in that suit. I believe it. But uh, one of the big things, too, is Justice League Action, the new Cartoon Network Justice League show, unveiled some new stills with some of their cast members. Some kind of deep pulls. I haven't seen any Green Lantern yet, but we've gotten Plastic Man, uh, Firestorm. We've gotten uh, little hints at Dr. Light as a villain. Any, uh, like, voice actor cast? Nothing of that yet. That's Comic-Con. That's going to be a Comic-Con panel for sure. They, yeah. they're, they're confirmed to have a panel. You got to figure, by next week's episode, we're going to be announcing so much stuff. Is this, the, uh, is this the Bruce Tim show? Uh, I don't even know who that is. So. Bruce Tim is the guy who's most dis- responsible for a lot of the DC animated yeah, stuff. Then it's, yeah, because it's it's big collaboration with DC. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest casting news, though, was Arrow adding Carly Pope to play Susan Williams, who may not sound like much, but for us Green Lantern buffs are going crazy right now because she is the wife of Jim Jordan, the brother of Hal Jordan, a.k.a. Green Lantern, who has long been hinted at on the show. He's been shown everything but his face. We've seen the man with the patch. We've heard on Flash about a test pilot going missing. And the great thing that I was we were talking about before we went on camera here was the fact that Jim Jordan and Susan Williams, they know. They know Hal Jordan is Green Lantern, so there's no secrets like this. So there's a very easy transition to bring him in with her just being like, I know a guy. And instantly you can bring Hal Jordan in. So it's exciting to me whether we get him in Justice League or we get him in the flare Like, I need a Lantern ASAP. Mm. I'm sick of it. If you can go deep cuts with Vixen and Cyborg yeah, and like Vixen. all this stuff and you can't give me a power ring, just lose my number because I'm done with you, DC. <laughs> like, I and it doesn't make sense that they're going two monthly. T- if they're supposedly lining up their comic book universe, there are two monthly Green Lantern titles. The only other titles they have that are Superman and Batman that mm-hmm. have at least two titles each. So there's no way you're not going to use them. So I don't think it's going to be designated a throwaway character. What are your thoughts on casting such a big character in the Green Lantern universe, but so minute otherwise? She's a reporter. So there's, uh, there's got to be a reason. I, I, I agree with that. I think one of the things that I'm excited about, because I, I would really, I really want to have that. Essentially, since we have Supergirl, which is a person with really no limits coming to CW, why not have the person with the willpower to create any object he wants in this universe? Can I give my fan casting real quick for a CW Green Lantern? I say Jensen Ackles from Supernatural as Hal Jordan. He's I've, I keep hearing that name. That's like a legit... I think I think he would be as such a supernatural fan. He has the duality of the character. He has the comical moments and stuff like that, but then he has like the die-hard, ride-or-die badass. Is like, he the short hair one or the long hair one? He's Dean. He's the short-haired one. Okay. Like the yeah, really, I can see that. yeah, so like I really like that idea. But one of the things I was really thinking about that we haven't talked about it on the show. What if Flashpoint is how they bring Green Lantern in? No, I, Either A, the Flashpoint reset somehow makes it so Green Lantern's already known, or B, the Flashpoint reset alerts the Green Lanterns to hey, something's going on on Earth. Yeah, this is that's what I think. One of the things I'm interested in since they've talked about you know their version of Flashpoint, and they and I think we'll find out at Comic Con what's going to happen, uh, how they're going to affect the other shows because they have to talk about the fact that. This affects other shows. Unfortunately, in, in seeing some of the news, they're still not going to bring Katie Cassidy back as Black Canary, which is I don't sad. like. Well, no, like so I said, I think they're dumb. holding. No, I think they're holding. I don't think that they're announcing anything like that until after episode the, one airs. Like I said, and the other thing that's big news is a bunch of principal photography members: Tom Cavanaugh, John Wesley Ship, Grant Gustin, Candace Patton, and Daniel Panabaker were all called up to film a week early, which leads me to believe they're trying to put together something for Comic Con because filming wasn't scheduled to start until Tuesday on the 5th and they've been called up we get John Wesley ship was posting pictures yeah. from the set so they're up there now putting something together so you gotta figure out they'll have a week which they do a five day episode shoot so they'll be episode one done so they might be doing casting announcements at Comic Con yeah. that's fair 
So that, w- that would make the most sense to me, why you have your principles going up there, and then you can walk out a pen. Like, D.C. can win Comic-Con so easily. Well, it's not like they haven't won the last couple of years. Well, I mean, yeah. what is Fox bringing? They're bringing, I mean, Marvel. They're bringing Doctor Strange. Fox doesn't have any X-Men movies, There's so there's nothing well, for them to go there. Yeah, Gambit's well, been scrapped, pretty much. Yeah. I, at, at this point in time, I mean, right now, D.C. is winning with, like, we talk about the killing joke. We're talking about a lot of the things that they're doing on, on the Flareoverse shows. And just uh, in the comic book world. The comic they're book killing world, they're, right they're, they're I just, will say, for my transition, there is a dark horse that can win Comic-Con if they do it right. If they drop their trailer and put the cast up there the right way, I think Power Rangers could win Comic-Con. With the, with the Brian... Cranston casting, which is one of the big news that broke this week as Zordon. Mm-hmm. I think that you can go there with Comic-Con, you put your Rangers up on stage, you drop your first trailer, because really, you're only going up against DC as far as like who's going to win the Comic-Con battle. Everyone wants to see the Power Rangers show. Nothing has come out from that movie other than the pictures of Rita and like the studio who's edited the movie version who's, of the, the who's the studio behind Power Rangers? Lionsgate. Lionsgate, so that's Disney. So, yeah. Yeah, and then they had the the teaser poster with like I like the poster together we are more like I like that so I think it's going to be a really good the fact that they went with unknowns and stuff like that and they're trying because apparently they were saying with Hunger Games gone now they want to try to turn this into a uh, a huge franchise because there's no big franchises coming out right now Hmm. so they were like we see this going six or seven movies six or seven so they're launching a whole universe here one of the things I think they might bring too is either show it in the trailer or there's no way that they don't introduce Green Ranger somehow in this movie I'm excited to see the the hint is it's Elizabeth Banks but I would actually like that I would like that more than bringing in a kid as far as your evil Green Ranger make it Rita and then somehow they get a hold of the the green power coin and give it to a kid that's, that's good and stuff like that the Green Ranger Saga was my favorite Power Ranger series ever. I really love it. It's the basis it. of the comic books, too. Yeah, which it's, it's it's called Green with Envy is the name of the actual series, but it, it very well made. But the idea of Brian Cranston coming back, he some of his earliest voice work was in the Power Rangers show. They named the Blue Ranger after him. So what are your thoughts on him being cast as Zordon? For such a powerful presence in the Power Rangers world, I couldn't think of a better he's person. Got the, he's got a good voice for yeah. it. Did you see the edited together version where it's the Power Rangers in the command center looking up and it's his I'm the one who knocks sweet from Breaking Bad in the Zordon tube. Looks very well done. Apparently he's doing a lot of mocap work for it, so it'll be interesting to see how that's put together. Uh, but one of the bigger announcements here was that the talks of Marvel and Fox teaming up have apparently gotten a lot more serious, which I think it's been all along what Kevin Smith has said that it's going to be 2020. But what are your thoughts on the potential of the Avengers X-Men? So here, here's my thoughts. Like, I, like you've seen, if you've watched or listened to the show for a while, we've talked about this. My thing is I'd love to see this universe together uh, as much as I possibly can. It's not that I don't think Fox does a terrible job, except if anybody watched Dorkly on the YouTube channel, they really panned him for the Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's how you get Hugh Jackman to stick around. It's how you get Hugh Jackman to stick around. I don't think, uh, again, you don't have to make too many concessions. I think you stick with the cast that you have for X-Men. Just uh, that announcement would win Comic-Con. Yeah, that announcement would work, would do wonders. That means you can bring Deadpool so that you get the Deadpool Spider-Man movie that they've always wanted, or at least that Ryan... And then you Ryan, can use your Deadpool sequel and the X-Force movie, whatever you have, to start uh, linking up to Marvel. Yeah, uh, but my thing is this. Now, we've talked about... I've hinted this. At the end of Infinity War, we know that there has to be a universe reset at some point in time, Right. 
I think the second gauntlet resets it. The yeah. second gauntlet resets it, and I think that puts, I think that resets it so that mutants can exist. People are going to be aware of some of the changes, but the, the, it's just going to change the universe, and that's just going to open it up, and then you can have it in 2020, because they have to lay that seed. Oh, one thing I want to get into, so San Diego, for those of you that haven't been for Comic-Con and stuff like that, they start to decorate the city now. Like, they plaster buildings with stuff for Comic-Con and stuff like that. One of the big ones that broke was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. plastered a train uh, with just an image of a, a chain. chain on fire, and it got spun out of the media and everything else like that, like Ghost Riders coming to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Such a stupid thing. Do you not realize there was a guy on the show already who his thing is he uses a fiery chain to whip people? All they're doing is setting up him as the villain for the third season now that you've eliminated Hive and stuff like that. Yeah. And just people spin out of control. So Comic-Con rumors can get crazy, guys. Don't buy anything until the con starts. Once these panels are held, you'll get official announcements. But just because you see something that's... I just don't see how that gets insinuated and reported by so many agencies. Like, is Ghost Rider coming to S.H.I.E.L.D.? That's like, just clickbait. That's, yeah, click. that's what they do. Well, I mean, like, somebody sees it and says, it's Major of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know a guy with a mystical chain and, wait, it has to be Ghost Rider. No, it's This a- is a weaker Comic-Con for me in past years. You gotta figure, last year you had Civil War, you had Batman vs. Superman, all the stuff that, like, each studio had to hype and nobody has anything this year. You had X-Men Apocalypse for Fox. Fox does, doesn't have anything. They have nothing for Deadpool 2 or X-Force to bring up. Maybe you make a casting announcement. Marvel has Doctor Strange and maybe a sizzle reel of Ragnarok. No, you uh, Garden, Guardians, of the Guardians, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy 2. Yeah, actually, yeah, you could actually win some some votes if you drop a good trailer of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So, interesting to see who's actually going to come out on top of this year's Comic-Con. Uh, one thing I just want to touch on quickly, the Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition dropped on digital. Definitely check it out. It is a much better version of the movie. It's actually going to be getting a one-night release in theaters as well. Yes, if you guys want to check that out, let me know. We can get tickets to that. Um, Now we want to just move into a smaller segment. Thank you to Kevin Smith for the idea for this one. It is movies that will suck. Movies that haven't even been made yet, but we can tell they're going to be horrible just by announcing them. And it was announced this week that... A trilogy of films is being made. Not one, not two, but three oh, I Tetris, hope it's Tetris movies. Ding, 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 ding. And ding, I ding, ask, ding, there are starving ding, children ding, in ding, Africa. Ding, ding, there are ding, veterans ding, on the streets. Ding, ding. We can't give them a sandwich, but we can make three Tetris movies. I'll take it. I love Tetris. Are you serious? Yep. You should be yeah. shot and killed. Oh, that's a little uh, too far. People, I like Tetris. No. Best soundtrack of a all time. A trilogy of Tetris <laughs> movies? I'll take it. I'll take so, it. I'll see your research. What's the plot? What is the plot of the Tetris? Movie. So what was the plot of Battleship? Yeah. Anybody want to explain to me what the plot Rihanna of Rihanna and Liam Neeson on a boat. Great. <laughs> like, I could buy that. But, so, but it's like, hey, and what's the ploy? You know, oh, we have this. If anybody's seen Battleship. I oh. love that they get the Asian to work the board at the end. Like, C7, yes, you hit his battleship. But uh, the Tetris trilogy, I can't even see how you make one movie. Didn't we get that with Pixels, that horrible movie with Adam Sandler? Like, where do you really need to build on from there? Uh, The soundtrack. The best soundtrack of all time. Uh, That's a video game movie that didn't need to be made. Switching track to a video game movie I am ecstatic is getting made. It was announced today. Wreck-It Ralph 2 will be released March 9th, 2018. And this one is Ralph and Vanellope invading the internet as compared to a video game. The first image was released and it's them standing over the internet. And there's like Google and Amazon and all these websites and stuff like that. There's also a Pornhub one, which I thought was kind of interesting. They call it XXX Hub, but it's unmistakable. It's the white X's and then 
the Orange Hub. It's a little <coughs> weird. Uh, I'm not familiar. <laughs> no idea, Anthony, what those apps are on your phone. But uh, <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on Wreck-It Ralph two finally getting the sequel with Sarah Silverman and John C. Riley confirmed? I think it's well. It's nice that they can greenlit that faster than they can do Frozen or any other popular movie that have, they've done well in. Here's the kicker, though. This opens only two weeks ahead. Of The Incredibles 2, Whoa, which is the movie that really? I am dying to see. I can't we gotta to figure see that. Yeah. Incredibles, Pixar and Disney are separate now. Wreck It Ralph is Disney, Incredibles is Pixar. Yeah, but so, it's like, well, it's Disney animation. They're still, it's one is Disney's own digital animation, so they're not relying on, you know, Pixar. What do you think of them undercutting the date by two weeks? Yeah, you give yourself two weeks, but I don't think Wreck It Ralph can even go candles. It with really Incredibles depends 2. on, it really depends on how Brad Bruce, Bird has not, like, he was never gonna make Incredibles 2 unless he had the story perfect. And he's yeah. like, the story for this one is so amazingly well done. It's later. I like, can't it's wait. like it's 10 years best, later. Jack Jack is grown up now. Like, have you ever seen the Jack Jack attacks featurette where it's like yeah. him home with the, and you see all his powers develop and stuff? Yeah. So I'm really excited for what they're going to do with that. But I don't think you can come close to the box office. Like, that's going to be like finding Dory level box office plus mm-hmm. the superhero crowd. So I'm excited for that one. Um, were you a fan of Racket Ralph? I thought it was an insanely well made movie. It was really well made. It was so original, which is something that you don't really see. Like, it was. They had really strong emotional moments, but the comedy in that movie was insanely well done. And like the little throwbacks to like '80s video games, like Cubert and stuff like that, full of Easter eggs. What are your thoughts on him teaming up with Mario in this one? Apparently, it's been announced Nintendo's finally allowing their characters to be used. He's gonna in team up with Mario. Yeah, apparently that was the whole story it's of what me. held up the announcement for so long what, was getting the rights. Oh, let's go. Yeah, I, I would say let's go with that one yeah. because it's Nintendo. I don't know what your problem is, but. You know, let it let it go, man. Let it Just go. Jane Lynch and Jack McBriar also yeah, confirmed Mario to return. Yeah, Mario is the most recognizable video game character of all time. I think that all you do with that is you just immediately add in another crowd of people that are going to go see it just because they want to see yeah. Mario in a movie. I mean, I hope I get like, to see Eva my boy is Luigi. Die hard. See, that's the thing. I'm, people love Mario. I'm all about the Luigi. Give me the Luigi. I like right. me some Luigi. He's like a foot and a half taller. Like he's got a better mustache and he's green. All right, <laughs> so all around Luigi, guys. But uh, yeah, so excited to see that one happening. Uh, Netflix started filming Death Note today, which I thought was really interesting. A remake? No, they're doing an animated version. So, oh, it's like a, a splice between animation and live action. Have you guys seen the previews for that new Fox show, Son of Zorn? No, with, uh, I never Jason heard of it. It's a, a it's a hybrid between animation and live action. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they're kind of yeah, going yeah. with. So interesting. That looks pretty on that. funny. Another movie that's going to suck though. Started filming today was It, the remake of Stephen King's It with uh, Alexander. No. Um, the younger Skarsgård now as Pennywise. So another movie I feel like didn't need to be made. I feel like the one it was enough, and now the clown they've showed, it kind of looks like a cross between Ghost Rider and the clown from the first one. The flaming-headed clown. Just, uh... What are your thoughts on this movie? I have a strange relationship with clowns. So. I don't know, you can't touch Tim Curry, really. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, you, not only are you like overcasting an iconic appearance, but who's asking for this? Who? What's the market for this movie? Um, Most Stephen King movies are TV movies. Not all of them. No, he had a. I mean, a lot of his things before, like Dreamcatcher, I loved. The dream, yeah, Maximum Dreamca- Overdrive. Yeah, like Dreamcatcher. <laughs> uh, Tommy Knockers. Tommy Knockers. Uh, Christine, had, I think, was theatrical. Christine was theatrical. theatrical. The Shining. The Shining was the original theatrical with with you know. But did you guys Kubrick. watch Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three yet on Hulu? No. The J- Dude, that's Stephen King. It's JFK. Time- James Franco plays a teacher that discovers a time portal in Maine that takes him back to uh, 1962, and he goes back with the 
goal of stopping Lee Harvey Oswald from killing JFK. Like he becomes his neighbor and stuff. But and then it has like the repercussions of what killing Kennedy does to the future and stuff. Insanely well made. It's an eight part series on Hulu. I'll, I'll let you guys use my password to watch it. But Stephen King, amazing. This is such an iconic storyline. Though I think this is going to be the first remake we've gotten of a Stephen King book. Nope. They remade. Did they do Rosemary's they remade Baby? The Shining. They remade The Shining, but that was for television. And so here's where if you're me remaking a theatrical me uh, release. Wasn't there two Salem's Lots? But there, there was, was the no, Rob no, Zombie no. one, but I don't Rob think you Lowe. can count Rob that. Lowe, right? No, Rob Zombie just did a, a Salem's Salem's Lot movie. Like it's really really, really? weird. So they must I don't have think done... it has anything to do with Stephen King. He just called it Salem's Lot because oh. it's about weird witches and banging dead bodies and stuff. So he hangs out in Salem all the time. I've yeah, seen that guy I've been, I was at uh, Murphy's when he was there one night, and yeah. he smells like you would imagine a dumpster smells. Like he yeah. is every white guy with dreads that you can think like, hey, there's no way that's sanitary. I always see him kicking around downtown, just like getting coffees at the hip bars and stuff. I feel like that there's just things that you can tell that someone makes poor decisions and a white guy with dreads is like number one on that list and men that wear cowboy hats and act like they're not wearing cowboy hats. Uh, I think fedora guys is up there. You can put class ring guy up there, like eh, ninety seven man. Guy, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, but uh, things in Hollywood were pretty quiet this week. A, a lot of things just getting ready for Comic Con. So this is like that down week before all the announcements hit. One rumor that really broke earlier today and is really gaining some steam uh, from Hollywood Reporter, Latino Review, and a couple of my unnamed sources is that Sentry has apparently been cast in Doctor Strange. Whether it is a small role, whether it's the pre-power Sentry, however they choose to do it, I think that's a really strong move as far as setting up benchmark characters for after Infinity War. Mm -hmm. Sentry is one of those characters where you could really do some long-term stuff with. You could get three or four movies out of Sentry. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? I wish it was... Number one, what are your thoughts on bringing him in in Doctor Strange, and what are your thoughts on him coming in the Marvel Universe at all? I I just wish it was Hyperion instead. I love me some Hyperion. We're going to ignore that so we can still continue to host a podcast with Anthony. What? I'm What's loving Sentry. You just called Sentry the better Superman before, and now you're like, I want Hyperion. Yeah, I'll take Hyperion, because Hyperion's the better Sentry. So what are your thoughts, Robert? Ah, oh, man. I want to see Sentry, because it's nice to have that element there, but it's still, it's still not going to necessarily continue to draw me in. I'm more intrigued by the Marvel Fox news. Here's why I buy it for the simple fact that say the Marvel Fox, even if it gets announced, it's not going to happen before Infinity War. We've we've talked about Infinity War before with the rights being so tricky. What A-list Superman type characters do you have that you can bring in to fight Thanos? Sentry is one of those Those guys. guys, He's arguably, unless they've retconned it beyond belief now. Last time I checked it, World War Hulk, when that series was out, he was the most powerful person in the Marvel Universe. He's been... Absent of late. That was one of the greatest things I loved about World War Hulk, too, is the fact that he was the most powerful and he fought Hulk to a draw, mm. which is insanely well made. So we're interested to see how they do that, but it would make sense to me. And it also makes sense if you choose to go Planet Hulk, World War Hulk down the line or anything like that, you have him, because they're adapting parts of Planet Hulk into Ragnarok. We know yeah. that that's a fact. I just don't so. know if you've ever seen, if you've ever read any of Jonathan Hickman's Avengers stories, but one of my favorite parts of that entire run, which was very lengthy, was like the little bromance they had going between Thor and Hyperion, and they were kind of like best buddies. Now, is the Sentry always... The, the World War Hulk version of Sentry, which I really liked, and his miniseries offshoot, was a guy that hated using his powers. Like, he yeah. really did not like no, turning I mean, into he, Sentry. He really... He was... 
he was really afraid of his power. Okay, so the, uh, that's one thing I really hope they bring to film is because that's not really an aspect that we have with any Marvel characters right now. There's nobody that's like I do this to be good, but I it terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. So it's interesting to see that that's a vulnerability you can bring to a character. That's one I think that you could really benefit from a Netflix series. Yeah, that's and I, that's one of those things where when you look at the major properties that Marvel has and the major characters, Sentry is one of those guys. He's the most powerful person in their universe, but he is one of probably the least well known well well known i think that might be on one of the, i think one of the announcements marvel might make is the second slate of netflix series like the next four or five guys that are going to get their series and i could easily see sentry being in that list and maybe you cameo him in doctor strange i mean like what they've talked about i think they've talked about it's the more mystical realm so they've talked about moon knight blade uh, moon knight i really want ghost rider ghost rider uh as part of that and those are really nice you series. do those four and sentry you got a solid lineup right I've there heard cloak and dagger too cloak and dagger is on Freeform. freeform. That's oh, that, that's, what and that's gonna be a just, crappy, mushy twilight. I, I really, really don't want to. Uh, and then that's why Marvel Universe isn't even acknowledging it. It's completely been separate in years. Well, yeah. I, I, again, I always talk about the Brian Michael Bendis run of the Ultimate uh, Spider-Man Ultimate, where he made those characters like really, awesome. really mean something. Yeah. So, um, trailers that we are confirmed for Comic Con is we, we're going to be getting uh, the full pilot for Powerless is going up mm-hmm. at uh, Comic Con, and then the Luke Cage trailer is dropping Monday night. So, preview night at Comic Con, we'll be getting that. Excited about Luke Cage. We're two months away, and we know nothing about this show. We don't know who the villains are. We know Iron Fist is going to be introduced in a small way, but what are your thoughts on the Luke Cage series? You guys getting pumped for this one? I'm Absolutely. more pumped for this I than I was Luke for Jessica Cage. Jones. I am more pumped for this because I'd like, I want to see what happens. I really want to see what happens. The, the other thing that kind of bothers me is Alfredo Woodward, who played a small role in the Avengers uh, Civil War. She was that lady who came up to Tony Stark at the beginning. Yep. I'm like, how do you, if people are telling me she's playing the Black Mariah, which is this uh, one of Luke Smith, uh, Luke Smith, Luke Cage's villains in his, uh, in his story, but I'm like, how do you not get the continuity? Because if she is this character, and this is all supposed to be universal tie- universally tied together, you have an actor who's playing one character in one movie and then playing a different character in a TV show. So definitely interesting to see what they're going to do with the series. Obviously, we'll, we can expect a full trailer. We'll know more next week, so excited yeah. to see that. So definitely stay tuned to next week's episode. We'll be breaking a lot of news from Comic-Con. Now we just want to transition into a real quick segment of AC on DC, special guest Robert Dokes. Hi. And that is just going to be taking a look at the Green Lantern Emerald Knights animated movie. Uh, as we do here every week on AC on DC, we review a Green not a Green Lantern, in my mind, if we could, we could be Green Lantern. Ideal, yeah. We review a DC animated movie, compare it to the comics, and just shoot the crap a little bit about it. But uh, Green Lantern Emerald Knights, I think, by far the best Green Lantern movie, far better than First Flight, as far as like, oh, yeah. the Andrew yeah. and Origins. It was a cool little anthology movie. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's a, a, it's a cool those. history lesson in Green Lantern lore for the people yeah. that aren't familiar with Green Lantern and things like that. I mean, starting with the First Lantern Avra, and then working your way up through the modern core. Really interesting take on it. I like that they got into Lyra before she became yeah. a Red Lantern. Really yeah. cool take on her but uh what is your favorite character in this movie as far as like who's portrayed the best i think lyra's character was the one i was Lyra's pretty good uh i really liked avra the, the first lantern avra, yeah. which was really cool well i like he's not the first that's my favorite well, quote of the movie the, the first, first lantern, lantern wasn't the first to receive a ring that's yeah, my he favorite was just one. the first one to use constructs right and realize what you can do with the rings i mean he pretty much stopped that war on his own. What do you think of the little Easter egg throwback to uh, all the first Lanterns? Lantern symbols were the Kyle Rayner yeah, Lantern symbol, if you notice that, which I thought yeah. was a cool little throwback. To the I don't film. know. I, I, liked, I liked this movie a lot. Between
between all the little stories, uh, I thought Kilowog was pretty awesome. His whole, like, the origin story of Kilowog and why he says Poozer all the time. I mean, I love the history of the core, so for me, it was, like, great to see it visually represented. One of the things I wish they had kind of done was sow the seeds for some of the lanterns. Like, you drop in on Lyra with a Red Lantern reference, you go... Because, I mean, First Light had Sinestro forming the Yellow Ring and stuff like that, but they don't do anything with it in Emerald Knights and things like that. So I just, I want the animated Blackest Night movie to happen, so parts of me wish that they had just sown seeds for that. But I mean, for what it was, which was a history of the core, I think it was a very well-encompassing movie. Had great moments of humor, and I think it built some of the secondary Lantern characters up more. So I think that's what this film was, was a chance for secondary. Mogo's my favorite Lantern. I love Mogo. And what's cool is that there was a couple stories, like the Abin Sura one, the Mogo story. Those are directly based off of two really good Alan Moore Green Lantern stories. Well, Mogo's like the ultimate lantern to me because not only is he like the forge for all the rings, all the rings come out of Mogo and he chooses when to dispense them and stuff like that. Just the self-sacrifices he's made. There's a scene in Blackest Night where like Black Lanterns are invading Mogo and stuff like that and he sucks them all into his core and like burns them out with the core of his planet and stuff like that. Just the things that he's done to protect the planet. In the current comics, he's actually the home base yeah. of the Green Lantern world because Oa was destroyed. So he's literally like the host of the Green Lantern core now. So he's like the ultimate buddy in my opinion because it's like who else do you need for backup than a planet like that's the, the also ultimate guy to call I thought him. it was really really cool to see some more of like the shadow people from Crisis on shadow Infinite Earths yeah was, that was really cool because they're terrifying have you ever seen the um the blackest night image where john stewart blows up mogo he channels the black lanterns that are still in his core and you because he's a he's an indigo lantern indigos can copy the powers of other lanterns so he turns into a black lantern and then just assassinates mogo and there's a whole full splash page of just mogo being obliterated like alderaan it's an insanely That's nutty oh it's so well done this but, movie had a really awesome cast like jason the, isaacs as sinestro the yeah. voice cast yeah, yeah andrea romano is in there roddy piper nathan fillin as Hal roddy Jordan. piper rest in peace nathan I think he does all the animated ones. Yeah, he's, 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 flipped, he's flipped back and forth. I know more recently in some of the stuff, he's become that voice. Did he do the animated series? Uh, I think he was the... No. No, he didn't do the animated series. Whoever did the Hal in that one was really good. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. But I, an interesting movie. I just... I wish that the, the Green Lantern hype didn't die out. It seems like that when First Flight and Emerald Knights came out, and then we got the Green Lantern animated series, it seems like that they had grand plans for it, but it's kind of died out. I think that's why I'm hoping so much for like a Flareoverse or a Justice League representation, because yeah. I don't see any more animated movies being made and things like that. The, the animated slate seems to be very well worked out for DC. They know where they're going with that. So, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on the future of Green Lantern in the DC universe? Where do you hope it continues, whether it's animated or live action? Uh, I would like this where I've been wanting to see him most. I do want to. I want to see him in the Flare Boys. That's like really key for me. I, I think, think that's where you can utilize him the most. Well, Hal and Barry are such good friends. Well, just this, that's what I'm saying. And the storytelling aspect that you get with episodic television mm-hmm. and things like that just lends itself more to that character. Sure. And I mean, it, if that doesn't lend itself to a spinoff, what does? Yeah. But the, I think where the the problem is, the spinoff becomes difficult because you now you're not. It's you're kind of. It's just. Power level too. It's, it's, it's his power level, and in, and what we see on the CW is they really don't have a lot of money to put into special yeah, it's effects. Definitely would be a special. And so that's but where, then again, you can get a. There's some things that if you can do Firestorm the way that they've done it, you can work your way around Lantern. Minimal use of the minimal ring. Like, use. Hal's biggest thing is the punch. Like he loves the fist and then the boxing glove. Like so, there's there's like easy big hammer. But that's the thing, and that's the other thing. You can just use him sparingly at first. Yeah. Just have him come in to fight these big guys and Plus, stuff like maybe that. Maybe you could do. I mean. If if Green Lantern came to the Flowerverse, 
I think that the one thing I'd want to see the most is probably Hard Traveling Heroes. Ooh. So it would just be Ollie and Hal kind of bumming around the country fighting rednecks and racist guys from like the South. Here's my other thing. You do kind of, wherever they bring him in, whether it's live action, Flareverse or live action Justice League, you run into the Peter Petrelli complex. If you guys watched Heroes at all, they had to power him down in the third season because he was just this guy that could absorb every power. Of that. So with the Green Lanterns being so powerful, they could eliminate a lot of enemies that these shows have pretty easily. So I think that you have to figure out how to balance that in and make them either A, a rookie lantern that doesn't really know the full extent of his powers yet, and you kind of go that origin mm-hmm. route, which CW seems to do really well at. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can bring in a fully developed lantern into those shows. I think, we'll I, think like I think you do. You really? I, think, I think you do. I think you can be based on what we talked about with Flashpoint. If they do the Flashpoint... Is, Imagine if they cast it at, Green, at Comic-Con, like if they came out and said, yeah, this is our, our Flashpoint Green Lantern. Even if you just had him for Flashpoint, just bring him in for three episodes. Yeah. I just want to see that because I think that's the best place where you can tell those stories because they're... I just thought about the Flashpoint. Abin Sir has a huge role in Flashpoint. He actually becomes the White Lantern. Stuff, but you could adapt Abin Sir's storyline to somehow the Flashpoint causes him to be killed, and then Hal is selected, and then that carries over from the room. So I mean, you could actually do your you could yeah. meld the Green Lantern origin with the Flashpoint yeah. storyline. Because I think with uh, again that reset, there's just something it's, that has to we happen. Have, it's such a weird thing to just not know because there's literally I feel like we're just, it's like the price is right. There's three doors that they could go down with Flashpoint. And each one is amazing, but it's just we have absolutely yeah. no idea what they're going to do. But when a Green Lantern, that's that's the place I want to see him the most. I right just think now. you can't. The Flareverse is where I think it's going to go more than anything because now with all the hints that have been dropped on Arrow, with it being mentioned on Flash, with him being seen visually, and now with the casting, as we talked about in Get Your Geek on, of you know Susan Williams, Jim Jordan's wife, mm-hmm. you know literally the sister-in-law of Green Lantern. I think that there's no small coincidences in these shows. That's one thing I've noticed. They don't just cast somebody just to say, hey, no, they that want person you to was see here. Everything that you see, they're going to do. If you needed a reporter, you could cast a million different reporters that are from the DC Universe, or you could just create your own. I yeah. think that she was put there because she has that very specific link to Hal Jordan. She's the bridge. So I think that definitely we could see the seeds of it on Arrow. Maybe it plays out in Legends. Maybe he's a cast member of Legends. How great Maybe. would that be? And Season then- 2? That would be nice. You could totally work that out. So, I mean, it's interesting to see what they do, but Emerald Knights for itself, what it was being the second in the line of Green Lantern animated movies, I thought it definitely was more encompassing of a well-ensembled cast. If you guys could cast your next Green Lantern animated movie and it's not Blackest Night, what do you do? I think I'd, I mean, I was pretty happy with like, I was pretty happy with Henry Rollins as Kilowog. I was pretty happy with Jason Isaacs as Sinestro and Nathan Fillion. No, I'm not saying, I'm saying what storyline would you do the next animated Green Lantern? I do Emerald Dawn. That'd be mine. Sinestro War. Sinestro War. War. See, but Sinestro War, I I wish I could have said that because I I consider that part of Blackest Night because to me it's like the prelude. Or maybe War of the Lanterns. War of the, I think the first, Wrath of the First Lantern would be a good one. Wrath of the First Lantern would be good. Or, uh, yeah, War of the Green Lanterns was really good with how uh, more of the Green Lanterns basically um, they pollute all the green rings so how Guy John Stewart and Kyle Rayner have to take other lantern rings and basically defeat the Green Lantern oh, Corps you know to burn know it out what else I would really like to see so John and becomes an indigo I lantern how becomes uh, yellow I didn't think the comic was that great, but I think it would lend itself really nice to an animated movie. Is probably Godhead. Ooh, yeah. So it'd be it'd great, great, with the, the Mother Green Boxes and everything. versus the New Gods. Which yeah, was they really get a, neat. they have a Mother Box that can contain all seven Lantern Core rings, and if you have all seven Lantern Core rings, you have the it's the anti life equation. Yeah. 
because that the white lanterns are life it's the actual entity of life so they get that and then they have to fight them for that but it's, it's really cool it's a pretty cool story it's just i mean it wasn't executed very well but it would lend itself so well to like a rewritten animated feature but definitely i mean if you're looking to just get a little bit of history on the lantern yeah. core see where they can go with those characters definitely check out green lantern emerald knights it's available on hulu uh, it's on YouTube for like two ninety nine, but I mean you can torrent it. I'm not gonna. It's a five year old movie. Oh no, we're stealing from the box office of a five year old movie. Oh boy. But yeah, definitely check out Green Lantern Emerald Knights. That's going to wrap things up. Uh, next week's episode is going to be very special. It is going to be another Robert Doak's guesting episode as we take a look at The Killing Joke in theaters, rated R, with a special premiere presentation from Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy before the movie. We have to get there an hour early because there's like a whole pre-show. Sounds uh, great. Awesome. So really excited to see that. So we'll, of course, be checking out the animated movie and comparing it to what I consider the greatest graphic novel of all time as far as just a, a single one-off storyline for a character. Character. You can't beat that's the iconic Batman storyline to me. So definitely stay tuned for next week's episode with the killing joke. So for this week's AC on DC, I'm Chuck Hewatts. I'm Anthony Arsenio. And this has been our special guest, get your geek on zone, Robert Dokes. So we will see you guys at the movies and check you out next week. Oh, Have I a- forgot to mention Booster Gold. Booster Gold. There Absolutely. That'd be a great storyline. And uh, just want to make sure that you check out the Get You Geek On podcast, now recommended by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman themselves from Hollywood Babylon fame. So this week we are signing off. Have a week. Bye.